Hi, I'm Johnny O'Mara, and you're listening to the Functional Tennis Podcast. Welcome to episode 33 of the Functional Tennis Podcast. This week we speak to Scottish pro Johnny O'Mara. Johnny is a top 50 doubles player and for a 24-year-old that's a great achievement. He tells us all about his journey from his struggles moving from juniors to seniors to going to university and then deciding to concentrate on doubles and going full steam ahead. It's a great story. Hope you enjoy. If you're new to the podcast, I'm Fabio Molly, your host. You'll mainly find me at the Functional Tennis Instagram account. Come by and say hello. Also, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on our weekly episodes. And if you know anybody who may like a tennis podcast, I would appreciate a recommendation. Big shout out to our podcast sponsors, Head, who make amazing rackets. And yeah, thanks to them for supporting the podcast. Okay, let's get to Johnny. Hi, Johnny. Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. Great to have you on. Hey, mate. Great to be here. So you just landed in New York today? Yeah, landed landed last night. So up early this morning and getting ready for practice, yeah. Practice later on today? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just my, my partner arrives. He's from Fort Lauderdale in, near Miami. So he's flying in and he'll be here in a few hours. So yeah, just get on the courts later on. Great. And who are you playing with this week? Marcelo Aravalo from El Salvador. Played a few weeks with him now. I started off playing with him at the US Open. And then he had a baby, which, you know, was great for him and his family, but kind of stopped our momentum a little bit. Okay. But very understandable. And then, yeah, Australian Open and now now playing full-time with him. That's great to have a full-time partner. We did have his video. I'm not sure. We, I tagged you in it. The one where he's doing the reaction drills with the laser pointer. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. No, I haven't seen that one. He's, he's with his coach and they're doing a reaction drills. Instead of having the fancy, the little tech things that they have that the lights go off, his coach or trainer just has a red presentation light and they're firing at the wall and he's just like jumping at each one. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't surprise me that he's, he's doing that sort of stuff. Yeah. He's good. Yeah, well, that's good that you're set up and you've a good plan. And tell me, are you who are you practicing with today? So I'll just practice with him and the coach. Just, you know, first session on the courts and stuff. You kind of just want to get a feel for, for how everything is. And then, you know, the next couple of days, you'll, you'll start to play a few more points with, with some of the other teams. Great. And you guys, you had a good run at the Aussie Open. Yeah, great run. Yeah, it was amazing. You know, we kind of, like I said, we started at the US Open and we had a good run there as well. We had a, a good win against Suarez and Pavic. You know, I didn't really know him then. So, you know, it was good to to see that, you know, we, we gelled on the court and then we did a preseason camp in Miami, which he came to and he got on court with, with the other Brits and Louis Caillé. And then, you know, that paid off going into Australia and we, we played really well and managed to make courses, which was a bit of a surprise, but, um, you know, when we, when we play well, we can, you know, find, find a lot of good things out there. So yeah, it was good. Probably helps when it is a bit of a surprise when you don't really expect it, it probably a bit less pressure on you. Yeah, I think definitely, I think your mentality changes for sure. You know, when you're playing in different tournaments, we were fully taking it one match at a time, which, you know, everyone says you have to take, you know, it's the best way of doing it is taking, you know, every point as it comes, every match as it comes. But, you know, it's very difficult to do that, especially in a tournament, you know, where you're you're seated to to go far. You're almost looking, going, well, I've got this match, then I've got this match. But, 
you know, when you're in a, a tournament like this, you're facing, you know, I think second round we played Meltzer and Roger Veseland. So it's very difficult to be able to look past that and worry about anything else. So you, you're fully, you know, you're fully ready for that one. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. But you can see how people, you can get carried away. You're seeded, you see, okay, we should be making quarters or semis. And then I've seen enough doubles results and you know more than, a lot more than me, but anything can happen. You're not guaranteed, whether it's first round or quarters, you're not guaranteed to win the match. No, absolutely not. No, for sure. I mean, you see lots of, even the top teams, they have some results where you go, didn't really expect that one. But, you know, with the scoring system as it is, and I mean, you can go down and play futures doubles and you can come up against some really good singles guys. And even that match is still very difficult. Our first match in Australia was against Hugo Delian and uh, Juan Ignacio Londero. And you kind of think, well, you wouldn't expect them to be great at doubles on a quick hard court. But at the end of the day, you know, they're world-class singles players. So if I was to go out on there and play them in a singles match, they'd, you know, give me an absolute cuffing. So yeah, well, you gotta you got to find a way. You still have to, you know, you obviously going out, out there and you're thinking, well, maybe we're favorites because we know what we're doing on the doubles court. But, you know, as a tennis player, they're probably better than us. So, you know, you, you still have to fully respect it. Yeah, and tell me, you mentioned fast, hard courts. Were the courts in Australia fast? Last year was the year the, the year I played all the slams. I think for me, Australia is probably the quickest. It, they definitely slowed it down this year, but it was it's still, it's low bouncing. It's It gets through the court pretty quick. And that's what, you know, doubles guys like that because then you can really, you can rush the singles guys. You can, you know, you can implement the way that you want to play out there. And compared to Wimbledon, you think it's, is it quicker than Wimbledon? I've played Wimbledon a couple of times. I've never really done that well there, which is, you know, I love grass, but the first couple of days on the grass is very slow. Whereas, you know, when we're practicing on the Orangi, Orangi practice and stuff, because there's lots of play going on, it's actually pretty quick. And then you get onto the match courts. And because, you know, there, there hasn't been much play, like the grass is really, it's really different. And the first few days, it's pretty slow. I, I'm guessing by the end of the second week, it starts to it starts to speed up. But I haven't found my way into the second week yet. So yeah, I can't let you know. Yeah. yeah, maybe you can let me know next July what it's like. Yeah, fingers crossed. Maybe a few years, that'd be nice. Yeah. So let's talk a bit about your tennis journey. You haven't taken the traditional route, be it going to the States or being going pro straight away. You decided to go to university in the UK. Not straight away. I didn't decide that. I um I was in a group. I went to NTC when I was the National Tennis Center when I was uh, around 16. You know, it was kind of, there was a group of us there. It was Kyle Edmund, Luke Bambridge, uh, Evan Hoyt, Liam Brody. We were all kind of training there at the same time. And it wasn't really an option for any of us to go to university. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't mentioned. It wasn't discussed. And yeah, so as soon as we, you know, we all did pretty well in juniors. And then as soon as we came out of juniors, it was just kind of the route that you just go straight into, you know, trying to become a professional tennis player. So I did that for a while and I, I came out of juniors and I went straight into it and I, I struggled with it big time. And then, you know, after maybe a year of trying, I, I then went to, to Sterling University. Yeah. And just before you went to Sterling, you said you had a good junior career. Were you playing the junior grand slams? Yeah, I played the slams from maybe when I was 17 for, for a couple of years. Yeah. And was it a big difference going from, obviously from the slams, living the dream as a junior, rocking up there, to hitting the Futures Tour? Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, obviously, everyone speaks about it being the, the most difficult transition. And yeah, I struggled with it mainly because 
you know, you're at the junior slams and you're seeing what's going on. You're seeing what's out there. You're seeing, you know, the best players of your age, how they're playing. You're seeing also how the professionals are playing. So, you know, that gets quite special. And then, you know, straight away, you're then thrown into Croatia court 16 and you've got, you know, his coach and a dog watching you. So, you know, that was one thing I struggled with. I didn't, you know, I started playing tennis because, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I love playing tennis and stuff, but I quite like, you know, trying to, you know, play some nice shots, be entertaining. And that's very difficult to do out on court 16 in Croatia when no one's watching you. That's when you have to really dig in and, and fight. And you're then all of a sudden doing that against, you know, men who have kids or they really are fighting for a living. And you, you haven't quite grasped that yet. So that was very difficult. And the big change for me happened when uh, I wish I'd done it earlier. I wish, you know, I'd managed to, to play more challenger singles, but you know, playing on a limited funding, it was difficult to to make the decision to go to challengers and, you know, probably not make any money. So I always relied on going to futures and then doing well in the doubles to be able to pay for the hotel. So to go to challengers and, you know, maybe not make any money was a was a big move to make. And it's one I never did. But I wish I had because you go to the challenger level and you see, you know, the, the guys who are, you know, 300 and above who are obviously very good level. And the main thing that changes, I think, is the attitude. And, you know, you, you kind of get, when, you, when you're playing the futures, you get dragged into that. And I would definitely be the first to say when I was playing futures, my attitude wasn't very good at all. You know, and that's just the kind of, it's, it's the surrounding you're in. You know, if everyone's kind of complaining about stuff, if everyone's, you know, not quite, you know, doing the correct warm-ups or doing the correct cool-downs or shouting on court or complaining about umpires, line calls, you kind of get dragged into it. And I definitely got dragged into it and, you know, kind of lost my way for a bit. Whereas at the challengers and the ATPs, that just, you know, it just doesn't happen. Nobody's giving you anything, which, you know, is obviously a great mindset to have. Yeah, it's, it's very honest you're saying that. You won't hear many people saying that, using that as an excuse why they didn't like the futures level. So you decided you had a tough time at the futures tour and you decide, okay, I'm going to give college a go. I had the year on tour and kind of realized, okay, I'm not ready to make a breakthrough any stage soon. So, you know, it's not wise to be, you know, spending money, you know, which I don't really have to, when I'm, you know, I'm not going to make that breakthrough that is very difficult to make. So I actually, I didn't stop tennis, but I, um, I took a bit of time out and I did a bit of coaching and I did that for, you know, six to eight months. And then at the same time, I also tried to kind of play, but it's too difficult to, you know, to be able to to coach and then go on tour and kind of expect to to play with people who are, you know, rocking up with, you know, three months of extremely good hard work. And then they, they come with coaches and physios and you then kind of go on court and you feel like you're kind of, you're kind of kidding yourself a little bit and you have to be ready 100% if you want to beat players like that. And after a few tournaments, I realized that, you know, you just can't, you can't do it half-heartedly. So there's no point doing it at all. So yeah, I decided to go to university in Sterling, which was a great option for me because it was it was back near where I live. I knew a lot of people in Sterling. I know the coach, Ewan McGinn. And it was just a really good environment to practice. I've always been such a fan of team events. I really I love playing, you know, when you're not just playing for yourself. I've always I've always done well in those in those situations. So, you know, I was able to to do a bit of studying. I was able to to train properly, train like an athlete, which you know, is the, is the most important thing. If if you're not training like how everyone else is training, then, you know, there's no chance you're going to be able to compete with them. So it gave me a really good base to play matches, feel good, and, you know, decide that, you know, that it is what I, what I really wanted to do. 
Great. So how long did you last at Sterling before you said, I'm ready now? I was there for a year and we had a really good year. I think, you know, we won the league. I played in the British University Masters, which we won beating America, I think, for the first time in, in a while. And that was an unbelievable experience. And it was it was kind of around this time that I decided I wanted to move into doubles as well. And I was doing well in doubles. So yeah, I was there for a year and I was still playing tournaments while I was there. And I was really racking up some good wins on the doubles court. So yeah, that kind of decided to move into doubles around then. Tell me, the world, the University Masters, I don't know who I was speaking to during the week, but you played Ireland and won the rounds. Yeah, we played Ireland first round, actually, yeah. I love the setup of it. It was, of course, the the normal tennis scoring and everything is great, but this was a, you know, it was a four, two-man team, three three guys, three three girls. You play two men's singles, two women's singles, and then a lady, a girls doubles, men's doubles, and mixed doubles. So if it's all level at four all, it comes down to a mixed doubles match, which, yeah, I found, you know, it's so exciting. You, you can, you go out there, you're getting support. And then at the same time, you can, you know, you can support them as well. So that was great. And we played, yeah, we played Ireland on day one, which... Do you remember who you played? Yeah, so I played Peter Bothwell. Ah, you played, okay. Yeah, I played Peter Bothwell. I'm not sure which university he was going to, but... <laughs> He was obviously a part of some some system, which, was, which was good. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure, but fair enough. And uh, he was also there with Simon Carr. So they had a good team. I think they're still in college now. They had a good team and it was a it was a good match, but I think we won maybe 4-0. So. Great, so you just went yeah, on to but, win it. It's great to win because USA normally clean up every year. Yeah, they cleaned up every year and I think they were expecting to clean up every year. So it was a, yeah, it was a bit of a surprise on the final day when we managed to sneak it, but... Yeah, it was a really, really great feeling. Nice. So you're in Sterling, you're doing well, and you decide, okay, well, doubles is really for me. Yeah. What's the next step then? You're going pro. Do you have a partner lined up or are you knocking on doors? What's going on? During my whole singles career, I, was, I decided to travel and play with another Brit, Scott Clayton. We had a great time because obviously futures can be very difficult. You're traveling on your own to not great places. You, know, you have to find a way to enjoy it. And traveling with him... You know, he was one of my best friends, still is. And it was just like two guys, you know, traveling the world, looking at stuff. And, you know, we found it, you know, highly enjoyable. So, and at the same time, we were, we were doing really well on the doubles court. We were both focusing on singles. So maybe we were, when we went onto the doubles court, we were pretty relaxed. We managed to win maybe seven or eight events in a row, which kind of allowed us to have a chance of getting a Wimbledon wildcard, which, which we got. And I think we were quite lucky to get that because... You know, we were still quite lowly ranked, hadn't really done anything in challengers. Don't even think we played a challenger. So to get a wild card from from the LTA and the, the All England Club was amazing. And yeah, we managed to win a match, which then gave us, you know, a decent amount of money and a decent amount of points to then go on to the challengers, which which we did straight away. And we we did pretty well. We we didn't do amazing, but I think we managed to get to, to 150 pretty quickly, which we weren't expecting to do. So yeah, I think we did pretty well and we were just we were just doing the same thing but it it was difficult because you know there was there was challenges we faced of not playing singles and then just going straight into doubles so a few times you know we struggled with we weren't practicing enough because you know we weren't used to practicing doubles um, we were just you know normally we'd be playing a singles match that morning and then playing doubles in the afternoon so we didn't really need to you know warm up or practice for it so you know, there was a lot, lots of stuff that you had to you had to learn and came with experience of being at these events. And is there anybody out there who helped you learn, who helped you improve your doubles? Anybody that stands out? Of course, uh, obviously Louis Caillet, all the Brits 
so obviously speak very highly of him. He's he's an incredible coach. Um, not just doubles coach. You know, he has a, a great. He really has a great eye for for picking up technical stuff or tactical stuff. You know, his obviously he's mastered the trade in the doubles coaching, but he really is a, a good coach all round. And he helped us. We we were lucky enough again to go on a camp which was uh, run by the LTA, which. You know, there's not many tennis governments that are really, you know, putting in any effort into their double system and the LTA were and it, you know, obviously paid off as, you know, you got Jamie Murray who helped them win the Davis Cup. You've now got, you know, Joe Salisbury winning Aussie Open. So, you know, it's paid off, you know, them making that decision to put on camps at the end of the year. And, you know, it's kind of, you know, having, I think, seven or eight guys in the, the top hundred. It, you know, it looks good for the for the LTA. So, yeah, we managed to get some great work in the off season with Louis. And then, you know, I have some great coaches, obviously from Sterling. I train with Colin Fleming, who worked under Louis as well. And he's, you know, he's got a different, takes a different spin on it, but he's really good to work with. And um, I also work full-time with Toby Smith, who is uh, Leon Smith's brother. And, you know, he's really good, really good coach as well, who works closely with with Louis. So we had a lot of help and, you know, it's really a big thing to, you know, Matt, help us get to where we got to. For those that don't know, Leon Smith is Great Britain's Davis Cup captain. Great. So, yeah, so it's, you're just constantly learning and working with people and trying to take on their experience to make you better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're with, how long did you play with Scott then for? So we played together for, I mean, from the futures to the to the challenges, we played loads, um, maybe probably about three, four years. And, you know, I had a lot of success. I'll look back on that. And it, it's, you know, crazy to think how many matches we had to win to get to, you know, maybe 130 in the world. We were, we, we had to really win a lot of matches. And if I had to go back and do it now, I'm not sure I could because it was, it was a lot of matches. And then, yeah, we decided to, to stop at the start of 2018 just because, you know, it's difficult to, to play with one person for, for such a long time and you know at the time I was you know maybe 22 or 23 and I felt like I needed I needed someone to play with who was a bit more experienced to you know understand yeah. what what was actually happening because I was still very inexperienced I was making bad decisions you know I wasn't practicing great I wasn't you know doing all the things that I should have been doing and you know without saying any excuses I I don't think I I'd fully experienced what it was actually like to do that. So that was the main thing I wanted to do. I wanted to go out there and play with a few different partners and, you know, kind of just get advice from lots of different guys who'd, who'd been around and, you know, see what, what it took to, to get there. Did you know we have over 170 great episodes with coaches, players, trainers and experts working at the highest level of the game? Tap the subscribe button on your podcast app so you don't miss out on the latest episodes of the podcast. And to listen to our great back catalogue of episodes with the biggest game changers in tennis, go to functionaltennispodcast.com. For those listening, you're only 24 and to be a top 50 player be it singles or doubles at the age of 24 is an unbelievable achievement. So you're obviously doing the right things. You're making the right decisions, which a lot of credit is due for that. Yeah, I think so. You know, it's definitely, it's a young age to to do it. And, you know, it was, it was kind of a, I, you know, not many people stop singles as early as I do and move into doubles. But, you know, my main, my main thought behind it was, well, it's extremely difficult to you know, to, to make it to the top of, you know, whatever you're doing, whether it's, you know, singles, whether it's doubles, whether it's, you know, football, golf, anything, it's, 
to make it to the top of what you're doing, it's incredibly difficult. So a lot of guys, they say, you know, they'll, they'll play singles until a certain age. And then, you know, if they don't make it, then they can always fall back into doubles. But, it, you know, it's not the case anymore, for sure. I made the decision because I thought, well, you know, I've got a much better chance of doing what I want to do in doubles. I enjoy doubles just as much as I did singles. It kind of suits how I play. It suits, you know, the skill set that I have. So, yeah, I just made that decision to go, well, you know what, if if I can work hard from the ages of 22 to, you know, when I fully want to be, you know, looking to be at my best, which is, you know, 27 to 32, then it definitely gives me the best the best chance to do that. Definitely. I, th- I think you've been taking the right boxes. So, yeah, it's going to be exciting what happens. After Scott, who is your next long-term partner after Scott? Next long-term partner was Luke Bambridge. And yeah, I've known him since I was probably about eight. We had a serious rivalry in the juniors and and playing. I mean, we played each other every single week. Yeah, we were we were obviously friends, but you know, we kind of saw each other as a little bit, you know, if you're gonna get higher than me, then I'm gonna get higher than you. It was a tricky one when we started playing together. We had to kind of put that aside. I think that was one thing. It really worked for us in a way. It helped us so much because on the practice court we still had that, you know, real edge of when we were doing, you know, training drills and stuff, I didn't want to lose to him at all. And I know he felt the same way. So it kind of, it raised our levels and then, you know, it just worked on the court for us. Um, we we're very different personalities. He's very, he's an intense, really hardworking guy where I think I'm a bit more, I'm a bit more chilled out. And, you know, so it caused us a bit of troubles, you know, trying to work out what we both wanted on the court. But when it worked, we we played really well. We we managed to to win a big challenger in the grass followed up by winning our first ATP in Eastbourne, which, you know, nobody, I mean, again, it was the same thing as I said in the Australian Open. We, every single match, we were just taking it one at a time and couldn't really believe that we we ended up winning it. So was that your first ATP tour event? I think I'd played one the year before with Clayton. I'd played Eastbourne with Clayton. But yeah, that was my next ATP event was the year after. And it was the first with Luke. I think it was Luke's first ATP event as well. So I think he'd kind of gone in and thought, how easy is this? And did <laughs> en- <laughs> it's, I'll do it every week. Did anything change after that? Yeah, definitely. Things things changed for sure. We actually struggled a bit because, you know, just because of the mindset change, you kind of, I don't think we were fully ready for that. Um, you know, to go to, from, from there, that allowed us to go into a full ATP schedule and kind of, you know, be thinking, well, when are we going to win our next one? We struggled for a, for a few months because just down to the fact that, you know, we were kind of, I'm not sure we were ready for that. We, we still had a lot to do in practice. We hadn't, you know, mastered anything that we needed to do. And we probably got a little bit, you know, results orientated instead of still working on what we need to do in practice. So that kind of took us a, a, f- a few months to sort out. We actually split for a little bit. It was probably coming because we'd had a few bad results and we weren't really, we weren't really practicing well. And, you know, it was just like the new expectations from obviously winning an ATP. You kind of expect to, to be having good results every week, which was never going to be the case. Yeah, we split and we we tried playing with a few other partners. And it was a funny one how we started again, actually. We we were going to go play a tournament separately. And um, I was actually going to play with Philip Polasek, who's obviously now number five in the world. So shame I didn't manage to keep playing with him. But yeah, so um, and we weren't actually going to get in because he was just coming back. So his ranking wasn't high enough. And Bambridge was in with maybe a singles guy who, you know, he wasn't, he obviously didn't want to be playing 100% with a singles guy. So I messaged him. I said, do you fancy playing, you know, just for one week in, 
you know, and we might as well, we obviously play well together. So we might as well, you know, it's just one tournament. And he said, let's do it. And we ended up winning the tournament, which was a, another big challenger. Yeah, just because, you know, you go in and it's the same thing. You, you know, you're happy to be back on the court with him and you don't really have any expectations again. You just, you're playing freely because you think, well, it's one week. It's not, you know, it's not like this is what it's going to be for the next few months. So some things that it's a I was doing on the court. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just a little affair. Some of the things that I would be doing on the court that would normally annoy him, he was probably like, well, it's one week, I can manage it. And the same for me. And yeah, we decided to to give it a go again. And then we won another ATP in Stockholm maybe two weeks later. So we were a very up and down pair, but you know, we had we had quite a lot of success. It's better being an always a down pair. At least you got to experience the ups, which is which is important. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was I think that's a it's a very important part of being a tennis player is is how you deal with the downs because you have them every week. It's a very strange sport that you you know, you lose every week pretty much. I mean, last year I think I won I was playing a mainly ATP schedule, but I won two challenges. So that's you know, that's thirty weeks of the year where I'm losing every single week. So you have to be able to deal with the downs. It's not something that you know, you're taught how to how to deal with it's you know, everyone's different, everyone deals with losses differently. And uh, one thing that we we struggled to do, we couldn't deal with the downs and get back on the practice court. So there are different types of losses though, whether if as you say, if you know expectations, you get to the semis, you're like you're probably you, you it's not the worst loss in the world. But all of a sudden next week, the week after you're seeded four, you go out first round and then the problem starts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you obviously have a few days where, you know, you're not playing and then you have to, you know, get straight back into a first round. And like you said, every match is every match is difficult. You can lose any match. So, you know, it's when you get in a little rut of losing a few in a row and you have to just you, know, you just have to keep keep doing what you're doing because you know at the end of the day the the work that you do off the court it will pay off at some stage you don't know when it will but if you keep doing it it'll, it'll always it'll always pay off yeah belief you just got to keep on believing yeah exactly yeah tell me Johnny after a loss do you like to go out and have a beer a bit of chocolate is there any of that or it just stays the same well funnily enough I actually I take losses in doubles way harder than I did in singles because again it's the scoring system as well. Especially, you know, in a, in a singles match when you're, most singles matches you're playing, you, you have a feel of how it's going. You can, you know, you're out there and you're kind of going, well, I'm kind of getting outplayed here. So if I manage to win this one, you know, I'm going to keep fighting. But if I manage to win this one, then, you know, I kind of got out of jail. Yeah. Or, you know, you kind of have a feel of, of how it's going. So it's not like you lose all of a sudden. Obviously, you get very some very close matches that hurt. But, but in doubles, I mean, pretty much every week you get to a stage after an hour of playing where it's... You know, it's eight all. Yeah. And you've played for an hour and you think, well, it all comes down to the next two minutes. So I always, I, I struggled with that because because it's literally, you know, you're a moment of, you know, brilliance or a moment of madness from, you know, being extremely happy or being absolutely in the bin. So, so yeah, it's difficult. And, and yeah, I definitely, a red wine is where, I, is where my head goes to. A little glass of red wine uh, and I'm, I'm ready to go. That's it. Everybody has their little vice, right? Way it be it smash rackets or a bit of wine or everybody's different. And yeah, I saw you at Luke in Australia last year. So you play Murray and Suarez, which yeah. you, I thought you were going to do it. And Murray just turned on the heat at the right time and it was a close match. So that was, I was, I was excited to see that. That was unfortunate for you guys. But how did last year go after the Aussie Open then? That was a tough loss because, uh, yeah, I think we were probably felt like we were one of the better the you know the better team on the day but you know it was our first Australian Open and it was you know Jamie Murray's obviously won the event and Bruno Suarez is 
high doubles as well. So, you know, you, it's kind of expected at five all in the third for them to put the anchor down and play and play the right the right shots at the right moment. So again, it was just a just a great learning experience and something that I benefited from this year at the Australian Open because I was in a similar situation and this time I managed to get through it. So even to be on the court with obviously, you know, competing hard against, you know, Jamie and Bruno, it was it was a great feeling because you know, obviously watching them growing up and stuff, and they're obviously at the best at doubles. It was, you know, it was just a great bonus to take away from the tournament. We had a great start to the year, made a couple of finals of ATPs, managed to and get to our career highs of around, you know, 44, 42 around there. And then, yeah, things were going great. We moved into the grass and we had a real, real bad run of form, which is you never want to have a bad run of form if you're a Brit over the grass. So that kind of hit us quite, quite hard. And we had a few off-court problems and, you know, the, the problems we had the year before when we split were kind of still there. And we kind of just realized that, you know what, this probably, we're probably not the right personalities for each other. And, you know, we've moved on and yeah, just like you say, just learn from it. Like all the, all the best guys, it happens all the time. They have different partners. They, you know, it's not just, not just doubles. It's, you know, we always say doubles is like a relationship, you know, so. Well, it's not like marriage. You're not signed up for life. Like you can you do a bit of time then you can move on. Yeah, you can leave if you want to leave. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be a bit of sore feelings for a while, but I'm sure. But I can tell you what, it feels like a marriage at times. I can, I can tell you that. Yeah, well, that's good in a way. I think you get the most. Marriage can be a pretty strong relationship. So I think while it's on, if you have those characteristics of a marriage, I think it can be quite good. But you do have a get out clause, which makes it even better. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. So just going on, you're going on, you're playing the year and you like team events. Do you play in WTT, the world team tennis? Yeah, I played world team tennis. So that was straight after the grass. I play for the San Diego Aviators, which is, I think most people would say it's the best team in the league. You know, we've got couple of private jets a helicopter so it's it's not bad wow. going yeah it's not bad going for a little little boy from our bro so wow so you get to play in a team sport you get all these fancy transports and it's you must must be just a good bit of fun for you yeah it's a great bit of fun and obviously you get a salary which you know you never get in the rest of the year so it, you know i think things change especially in sport and tennis if if you give players a salary it kind of becomes a lot more of an entertainment business which which was good fun. I, I really enjoyed that because, you know, like I said, I enjoy playing in front of people. I enjoy, you know, seeing people having a good time and, you know, enjoying tennis. So, yeah, I absolutely loved it. Three weeks. It was it was a lot of fun. Great scoring system. The way for me tennis should be, you know, lots of noise. The crowds coming in whenever they want to come in, speaking to each other. You know, even if it's during the points, it you know, it's it's a lot more fun for them, I think, if they can... You know, they came with, you know, three of their mates. Why should they not be able to speak to them, um, you know, when they sat down with them? So, yeah, it's a lot of fun and I'm doing it again this year. So can't wait. Great. That sounds exciting. I'm going to end this shortly. I just have two more questions for you. One is considering obviously you're a team player and you love playing with teams. Are you ATP Cup or Davis Cup? Oof, good question. I think I am. I love the ATP Cup this year. I love Davis Cup. I was, you know, I love... It's a difficult one. I do love the Davis Cup, but I loved the the initiatives that were going on in the ATP Cup, you know, the bench, that sort of stuff. I, I loved what was going on there. Yeah, let me rephrase that. It's the new format Davis Cup okay, versus the ATP Cup. Or you can like both of them. Yeah, ATP Cup. Yeah, ATP Cup. Okay, that's, that's good to hear. I thought it was great. I watched, I got into it slowly on 
Um, was it on Amazon Prime? And I thought it was really good. Level of Tennis was amazing. And it was good to see a few guys, I can't remember their names now, who did ex- had some great wins and like they were ranked, what, three, 400 in the world. So it was good to see how competing in a team environment with a good fan base can really improve the performance of somebody who's not ranked in the top 100. That was a good part of it. Obviously, you know, everyone loves an underdog. So you got you got to see that and the underdog in that sort of environment is always going to is going to play well. So it was, you know, it was a good like I think it was quite a good insight for for people watching to see how good a lot of tennis players are, you know, because you're seeing some guys who are ranked 300, 400 competing hard with the guys who are at the top. So it's it's good to see like how many players are around and you know how good the level actually is. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, I look forward to it next year. And the last question, Johnny, is something we ask all our guests is what advice do you have for junior players, top junior players in their country around the world? If there's one piece of advice you give them, what would it be? I think it would be make sure you've got the life balance correct because, you know, you get carried away with, you know, the the tennis and, and the journey and stuff. But at the same time, you've got to have the life balance and, you know, don't get me wrong, work hard in tennis and, you know, enjoy working hard. But you know, don't feel bad for, you know, having a good time outside of it as well. You know, make sure you, you know, you still got your friends, you're doing your hobbies, you're playing. I love golf, so I like to play golf. And yeah, just, you know, make sure there's life balance. And also, you know, don't rush it because, you know, at the end of the day, you look at the tour and stuff, you, you're not supposed to be, you're not normally peaking until, you know, you're 25, 26. So yeah, just, just enjoy the journey, you know. Thank you. That's very wise words there. And tell me, what's your golf handicap? Well, it's currently sitting at five, so... Okay, you you Brits must be really competitive. I often see the photos of either Murray or Scupsy puts them up where you guys play each other. Who's the best golfer with the Brits? Well, I don't want to sound big-headed or anything, but we did have a, a British golf day that was, you know, it was ran by all the Brits that like golf. They came, they played, and there was one winner, and that was me, so... Oh! Yeah, I don't want to sound big-headed. I did, I think I won by about six shots as well, so... Oh, um, God. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm having that. I'm taking the bragging rights with that one. Girl, you deserve it. That's a big win, so you deserve that. But yeah, Johnny, thanks a lot for coming on. Really appreciate it, and wish you the best of luck this week in New York and the rest of the year. I'll be keeping an eye out on the results. Awesome. Thank you so much. Really hope you enjoyed Johnny's story. There, he's done so much for a young lad. It's great to see uh, he's had struggles along the way. It was great that he could talk about them. Not many people will talk about them in the open. So really appreciate that, Johnny. And yeah, it just goes to show sometimes when you have no expectations for yourself, you can do really well. But really looking forward to following this journey throughout the year. We'll be back next week speaking to an academy owner and coach in Germany who has worked with some great players. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. And until next week, go hit some forehands. Bye.